Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Clay, and today is the Shonen Jump Saturday show. You know, I wanted to start out with the Roroni Kenshin opening just because I have been really enjoying the manga. It has made me want to go back and watch the anime. And so what I've really been doing is I'll read the manga and then I go back and watch the anime uh, for only those episodes that I'm reading. And it's been really enjoyable. I have been very much enjoying that uh, so, so much. And I just love, I love the animation style. Uh, I love the opening uh, just because of how badass Veroni Kenshin is in that opening. Uh, you know, fighting the three samurais uh, and, and all sorts of stuff. It's just really, really awesome. Uh, but, but before we get into everything, I just want to go ahead and say thank you for you know, listening to this podcast, stumbling upon it, or subscribing to it, uh, which is exactly what I'm going to ask you to do. Please subscribe to this podcast, and of course, share it with some friends that just love manga, because I am using this Shonen Jump app uh, for the Shonen Jump Saturdays, and I am diving in to the manga that, of course, I have already uh, been loving as far as the other, the other media known as anime. Uh, of course, this all started with me wanting to read the My Hero Academia stuff because I knew how far into it they were uh, in the manga compared to the anime, and I wanted to know more. And, you know, then I thought, well, I love Dragon Ball. Let me go ahead and read Dragon Ball Super, and I've caught up on that. And, you know, I wanted to pick something that, you know, was very much in a different tone of Dragon Ball and My Hero and that is very much Roroni Kenshin. Uh, because My Hero Academia is, of course, the, uh, in Americanized terms, the X-Men book. Uh, you know, Dragon Ball is very much a, you know, let's let's take it another American comic concept, is very much almost like an Avengers book, to be honest. Uh, I know it very much tones in on Goku and Vegeta right now. But, you know, it has all of the Z-Fighters, and I and I really think it's more of like a team book like that. And, you know, Roroni Kenshin is very much, you know, trying to compare it to something else. Uh, Roroni Kenshin is so much of a indie comic uh, compared to that of, like, My Hero Academia and Dragon Ball Super. You know, it's, it's almost like comparing... Uh, it's... It's it's let's compare it to to you know something simple, like I said, X Men, Avengers, and Samurai Jack. That's exactly what I can think of. Uh, but it's 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 so cool. I I love every medium uh, of these books and the tones of these books. And I I do recommend that you guys uh, email me at fanboycomicspodcast at gmail dot com. And tell me what you are reading as far as the, uh, if you are using the Shonen Jump app or if you are, you know, ordering them as they come out. Uh, I know a lot of people are really digging the Dr. Stone book. I know my brother has fallen in love with that show on Crunchyroll. And I've kind of thought about jumping into it, but I do know that we will eventually need to get another book because Dragon Ball Super only updates by the month and not by the week like uh, My Hero Academia. So we will eventually get caught up and we don't want to just have two books on the show. We definitely want to keep a lot of content here because I love these books. 
And uh, let's go ahead and jump into the actual show. Um, the books that we're going to be talking about, like I said, with the three, Dragon Ball Super, My Hero Academia, and Ramoni Kenshin. Uh, Dragon Ball Super will be chapter 53, while uh, My Hero Academia uh, will be chapters 158 through 162, while my uh, Roroni Kenshin, we will be talking about uh, chapters 8, or sorry, no, sorry, fast forward, 10 to 12. So let's go ahead and jump into it right now with Dragon Ball Super. This chapter was really, really cool as far as uh, Dragon Ball Super, just because, you know, from the very beginning when we started recording, you know, making up the Shonen Jump Saturdays, we had only had a story with Goku and Vegeta. And here, uh, we get to see more Z Fighters. We get to see Piccolo. We get to see Krillin. Um, we get to see... Uh, Dende, and of course, uh, near the end, we get to see Gohan, and we'll get to there uh, soon enough. But basically, uh, the uh, head honcho inmate that is basically the leader of all the inmates, of course, Maru is in very much control, but the one who is more so uh, the second in command is this uh, inmate known as Saganbo uh, is his name, but he has ordered uh, three individuals to try and rescue uh, the three bandits that had gone to Earth in the first place to get, you know, that those blue crystals or whatever. And so uh, they did make a pit stop at a separate planet because there is one of them, uh, one of the... Uh, three individuals he apparently is just always very hungry uh sounds like a majin boo but uh he uh was very hungry and so he said hey let's stop by a nearby planet so i can get something to eat and while they're doing that jaku lands on earth and informs the z fighters of the uh the uh, information that they had intercepted of that being the three individuals coming to this planet and uh, Jocko knows them very much so, uh, and they said he says that the one that he need that they need to be watching out for is a person by the name of OG seven three I, I believe, or seven three one, and it is because he is almost like I would say an android, and he can have this he has this weird ability to. Uh, copy people's abilities uh, so it's almost very much like a cell but his it's really weird the only way he can copy somebody is if he gets a hold of somebody's neck very odd but you know I'll go with it anyway uh, he on this random planet that they had found because that one individual was hungry uh, they found some other uh, alien species and you get to see this uh, copying technique uh, in full. And he demolishes uh, these individual warriors. And one of them has the ability to teleport. And so uh, Jocko's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. These people won't get here for a couple of days. And Krillin's like, okay, cool. That gives me time to train. And uh, before you know it, these three individuals just pop up right behind them. And it's because... That individual used his copying technique, grabbed a portal, 
and portaled themselves to Earth. And the fight commences. Piccolo very much fights the uh, OG uh, 731 and gets his powers copied. Uh, the very first technique that this individual uses is the special beam cannon. Very reminiscent and it looks very, very cool. And Jocko does tell him, hey, by the way, it's not only your abilities, it's the strength of your abilities as well. It is basically fighting another copy of yourself, which should be no problem with Piccolo, because if you are a fan of Dragon Ball at all, you do know that Piccolo very much has the ability to uh, basically, uh, what is it called, uh, make multiple of himself. He trains by fighting himself all the time. He makes multiples of himself and then fights those. That is his training technique. That's what he does. Uh, so this shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. And... Uh, there's some really cool visuals with like the the extension of the arms and stuff. It's really fun. Uh, Krillin ends up fighting the individual that is always hungry, while Jocko is fighting this very small pipsqueak of a guy that is with the other two. And uh, this OG seven three one, who is very much looks like he's overpowering uh, Piccolo, uh, ends up using a uh, a special beam cannon and it looks like he actually uh, hurts Piccolo but he didn't because Gohan was able to get there at the nick of time and uh, Piccolo says hey this is the rundown these who are these people these this is who these people are just make sure he doesn't copy your techniques you know make sure he doesn't grab your neck basically and saying, oh, by the way, your your father isn't here, Vegeta isn't here, you're the strongest person uh, on the world, you know, in on Earth right now, you need to protect it. And then we stop and go to Goku and Miris in that hyperbolic time chamber, uh, and Goku kind of has his ass beat right now. And he's like, man, I cannot, I feel like I haven't, I feel like he says... That he doesn't really feel like he had ever gone ultra, ultra Instinct. Because it's so hard to get into that mindset. And Mira said, well, the last time that you did it, you had, you know, it was a matter of life and death. You need to have that feeling again. And Goku says, okay, well, then you need to try to kill me. And that is how they are going to train from there. And at the very, very last page, we see Vegeta uh, looking very... Uh, agitated but somewhat at peace uh, he is meditating with these other individuals on Yardrat and uh, they can very much tell that he uh, is not fully in peace with himself and his spirit control uh, is not very much in control at all and you know he's meditating on this like large stick thing tree I don't know what it is uh, but it's, he's basically holding himself up by his feet. And one of the individuals tells him, oh, by the way, Goku was up here for 150 days. Uh, so Vegeta is getting very frustrated and he's not sure how long he can last. But he knows that with, you know, knowing that Goku was able to do it, I know that's going to very much push Goku, uh, push Vegeta uh, into going beyond that because that's something that Vegeta is always trying to move towards uh, 
bettering himself to be better than Kakarot. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Vegeta learns from Biardrat and uh, seeing how it goes into effect with fighting Moro in the future. Uh, I'm also looking forward to see Goku always kick, uh, Gohan always kick ass because, like I said, it is very much a race between Gohan and Vegeta for my favorite character in this series. I just love them both. Uh, I love Gohan because of his morals and uh, the way he was raised, like the the position that he put himself in, uh, in the sense of like he never wanted to fight. He wanted to have the peaceful route, and then. The way he became Super Saiyan 2 with with 16 telling him it's okay to fight for the ones that you love and the world that you care about. And such a meaningful message. And, you know, Gohan, you know, had this potential to be the strongest person on, you know, on Earth. And from, from the day he was born. And, you know, I just love that. I love that he was such a peaceful person and doesn't like to fight. But he will to protect the ones that he loves. And I love Vegeta because he was such a ruthless killer and now has become this person who is very considerate of others and such a great story to tell as far as character development. But uh, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and jump to My Hero Academia chapters 158 through 162. So we left off with Eerie and uh, Deku with Midoriya. Um, They are now bound uh, in a way just because of uh, Midoriya's cape. Uh, Deku had tied it around her and you know they're fighting overhaul but you know this very first chapter has something really really cool that I never really considered Uh, but I actually texted a friend of mine who has been completely caught up with My Hero Academia Uh, I told him not to spoil it for me but here in the very beginning of chapter 158 uh, it it shows the theory that rats were what made the mutation to humans that made quirks basically and so i texted him i said hey um does the manga at all elaborate on this theory that you know quirks came from rats and he said no it does not Uh, they do not talk about the very first quirks whatsoever except for one little comment that there is at one point a somebody says that the very first quirk was a glowing baby so uh i would very much like to hear that story um so i don't know who the original author is if you find yourself listening to this podcast um please 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 have that for a completely separate series the origins of not my hero academia but the origins of the quirks, I don't know exactly what you would call it. Of course, I feel like you would need My Hero Academia in the title so to draw people in. But that's something that I would very much like to learn. But let's go ahead and get to the most epic fight I think I have ever seen in animation. As well as uh, here on the pages of the manga. Now, of course, at this point, Overhaul has mutated himself uh, with his quirk. Uh, combining himself with, I believe, two other of his uh, gang members. And he is a monstrous of a being. And he is very much trying to get inside uh, Deku's head, get inside Eri's head. And Deku is just not having it. Here, it is talking about more of what the uh, motivations were for Overhaul with wanting to do uh, what he is doing with Eri. 
And, you know, he was a kid that was very much on the streets. And uh, Erie's grandfather uh, took him in and, you know, said, hey, you are a bright young man. I have, you know, these thoughts that, you know, you can be somebody in the future. And Overhaul kind of, you know, takes it a little too far in his smarts and whatnot. Uh, he uses his quirk and Eerie's quirk, of course, to create this drug that is uh, that takes away quirks, as well as he created a serum to, you know, bring the uh, quirks back. And his plan is to, of course, because they are in the uh, Yakuza mob, and he tells this, this older gentleman, hey, we can be back up top. We can run the streets. We can run Tokyo. We can run Japan. If what we do is we will sell this drug to take away quirks, and then we will eventually sell the serum to heroes and the police, and we will run the market. We will make millions. We will be the top dogs once again. And, you know, the leader of the Yakuza just doesn't take that very well. He's like, how little do you have, like, he says, uh, how little do you think of people? And... You know, it just shows how evil this person is. Overhaul is just pure evil in the thoughts that he has towards just civilization and the new world that they are in. His idea was to completely uh, rewind humanity back to where there was no quirks whatsoever. And society has evolved, you know. They have, uh, they have uh, evolved and they have adapted to the world that they are in now and to rewind i feel like that would have been horrible for the entire world so really really love this love that deku is able to use 100 percent of his power with the help of eerie and basically what is happening is his bones are breaking he is you know giving it his all we all know what happens to deku when using 100 percent but as he is using it so fast, and with Eerie's power to rewind his body, uh, he is basically matching it to the point where he doesn't feel the pain, and Eerie doesn't isn't necessarily hurting him too much with that. But of course, she doesn't know how to control her power, so uh, he does end up beating Overhaul, and at the end of that fight, Eerie still doesn't know how to control her power. So, you know, she is about to rewind Deku. And so what ends up happening is uh, Froppy opens up Eraserhead's eyes and is able to stop uh, Eerie's quirk. And there they are able to uh, call the ambulance, get everybody, you know, fixated and, you know, ready to go. A lot of heroes have, you know, have sustained very severe injuries uh, through this whole endeavor uh, with trying to capture Overhaul. And they do capture him. They drive him off. But uh, there is a truck that is ahead of this ambulance uh, that is holding Overhaul. And it is a truck that is full of the League of Villains. Uh, what they end up doing is these three individuals uh, end up attacking the ambulance. And... Uh, there is eventually a villain there, or uh, not a villain, a hero that's also in the truck. I forgot what his name is. He's a sand-based hero, but he does end up dying 
Uh, but uh, the League of Villains end up taking Overhaul, uh, laying him down on the ground, and taking their revenge for their lost uh, ally. Uh, and they also uh, take a little, you know, uh, revenge on Overhaul. They destroy his 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 hands. They destroy both hands, uh, and so he can no longer use his quirk properly. Uh, and, you know, it's rightfully so, because Overhaul never wanted a quirk to begin with, and so, you know, they took that ability from him, and so now he is nothing, and then they end up killing him at the very end. So Overhaul is no longer, and they very much, uh, the heroes very much find this out in the next uh, two chapters. But here, the next chapter, uh, Deku has basically healed to almost 100%. He meets with the razor head and talks through like okay, yeah, uh Kirishima's body uh is in bandages. Uh Sun Eater is okay as well, but you know, half of his face was uh was split open. Fat Gum is doing okay. Uh uh Rock Lock's vitals were not damaged with the stab. You know, all these things and they learn that Eerie uh, she's still feverish, but, you know, they're not entirely sure what's going to happen once she wakes up. Just because, you know, with how powerful her quirk is, it's not safe for anybody to go in there. Because Eraserhead is the only one who could stop her, you know, for the time being. And the most importantly, what they what they really needed to talk about was Night Eye. And so they go to his room, and All Might is there. And, you know, Deku's very confused. Why are you here? What's going on? And it was Bubble Girl who ended up, you know, requesting that he show up. Because it seems that Night Eye will not make it to tomorrow. And I'm already starting to, like, tear up. Um, this sequence with All Might and Deku and eventually Mirio, uh coming to talk to Night Eye is something that hit me very hard uh, in the anime. And it hit me again very hard here, because Night Eye, we we learned a few chapters back, uh, almost twenty chapters back. Holy crap, it's been so long that uh, that Night Eye and and All Might had a falling out. But during that time, Night Eye even says, "I did not hold anything against you. Uh, we know that we are stubborn, and you know it would have been smarter to just talk it out." But we are who we are, and we can't change that now. But basically tells the him that, you know, I now see through the power of your pupil, Deku, that the future is unclear. The future can be stopped. It cannot. It is not set in stone. Uh, Deku was able to fight through the, uh, the foresight that Night Eye had for him and Deku. And he says uh, that uh, that the energy that people like all the energy that so many people were, you know, rooting for Deku. That's what broke that foresight, and that is how Deku was able to make it out alive. And the last words, you know, because Medio just comes in and says, you know, Night Eye, you can't die. You're my you're you're my sensei. Uh, you know, I've I've looked up to you. Like I I need I need you to make it. I need you to stay alive. And 
you know, he uses his foresight on Medio. At this point, Medio is quirkless. He says, someday you will make a great hero. And he says, so smile, keep smiling. And my God, I'm going to try not to cry here. Um, I don't know why I get so emotional on parts like this, but the, the phrasing, the, the, the emotions that are running through here and just the perfect wording that everybody needs to hear at this moment. Uh, Night Eye says, a world without smiles and humor has no bright future. And it feels so good to read that because Night Eye, we have seen Night Eye as the stern person. Minio keeps telling Deku throughout this entire thing that Night Eye was a person who always laughed. We never got to see that. And that is because Night Eye very much admired All Might throughout his entire career. And one of the biggest things for All Might is to have people always smile. Like, face your enemies with a smile because then other people will know that they have nothing to fear. And so, just that phrasing, it, it, it brings everybody to tears. It's so rough. And, uh, and then he flatlines. He's gone. For somebody who was not shown very much, he very much had an impact on our heroes. And this very much had an impact on me whenever I saw it on uh, the anime and then read it here. Um, I knew it was happening. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, but uh, it, it still broke me. And uh, I'm trying not to cry. It is uh, difficult. Um, I'm telling you, this is not the part. Because uh, I, I said in the last episode, there will be there will be an, a part where I will eventually probably break down on the actual episode of recording. Because it just broke me um, when I actually watched it. And I'll tell a play by play. I have no problem sharing my emotions with that. But uh, the last chapter, 162, is actually a little bit of a flashback to the very beginning of when everybody uh, stormed Overhaul's uh, you know, place of operations. Uh, because freaking, uh, what's his name, Gran Torino was somewhere else uh, trying to find one of the leaders of the League of Villains. And... They capture him, but they find out that there was another person hiding in the woods. Uh, somebody named Giganto Makia. Uh, apparently, this is a uh, person who is literally a giant. Uh, and he has been manipulated uh, for one, uh, all for ones. Uh, he was a servant of all for one. And so we move back to the hospital. You know, that was a very short flashback. But we go back to the hospital. Deku learns about Overhaul. Uh, he wants to go see Eerie. And, you know, Razorhead still says, Hey, it's not a good idea. You wouldn't be able to help her anyway. There's nothing we can do. She's asleep, blah, blah, blah. So then Deku says, Oh, I want to go see Midio real quick. Let me go see him. And, you know... Lemillion Midio is in high spirits. You know, he is doing this weird little funny exercise on his bed. And he says, it's so weird. I know I shouldn't be uh, smiling right now. My master, you know, passed away. I lost my quirk. But uh, that's exactly why uh, he told me that I was going to become a good hero at some point. Night I did. 
so I can't be wimpy. I need to, I, I need to keep moving forward. And Deku very much feels like the, like the weight of all this. And he starts to think about what night I had said about how he wanted Mideo to be the successor for, uh, one for all. Uh, so, you know, he, he asks him, he says, what if I could, what if I could give you my quirk? What if I told you that I could pass my quirk on to you? And Lemillion immediately, without hesitation, says, I don't want it. Because at that point, you would be without a quirk, and then you would be the one suffering. Like, And he says that we don't know the full extent of what will happen to Eerie, but if we can get her to control her power then she can rewind me to the point where I had my powers again. So he still has high hopes for all of this. And uh, at the very end, we get a tease for what's coming up next, and that is uh, that uh, Todoroki and Bakugo are going to their uh, professional license course because they did fail uh, that license course, and so they have to do a summer program to catch up with everybody else. Uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, very emotional stuff happening, uh, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I keep telling everybody, and I said this in last episode, but, uh, My Hero Academia is quite possibly, uh, the Dragon Ball Z and the Naruto of this generation. They are very, uh, this is very much, uh, the number one, uh, anime slash manga of this generation. It is so good. Uh, such, like, such emotion and passion in this project, and I can very much tell, and it's so cool, it is so, so cool, I love it, uh, and I was talking to a good friend of mine, uh, who is, uh, the host of the Weird Science Marvel and DC Podcasts, Jim, you know, uh, we were talking about how with manga, it, it, it's, it's a new passion of ours that just, that has just come up. Because, yeah, we may have watched the anime or whatever, but this is new content for us. And it is something that we haven't really felt with DC or Marvel at the time. Uh, especially now, with the uh, quarantine. And yeah, I'm reading the Marvel Unlimited app, and I'm reading the DC Universe app with books that either I had read a long time ago, or books that I've never read before. But they're characters that I know, and so there is an expectation uh, for those that I can be disappointed with. While in this, it's very hard to disappoint me because I have an expectation of the tone of the book and the tone matches with every single issue that comes out. And it shows that like, wow, this is great, great storytelling. And I absolutely love it. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about the last book of the night, that being Rurouni Kenshin, chapters 10 through 12. All right, Rurouni Kenshin chapters 10 through 12. I am almost there. I'm almost at the end. A little fourth wall breaking. I have recorded my other two episodes that were this week on Thursday and Friday. I recorded them all right before this. And in total, I think I've been recording for the past three and a half hours. And my gosh my gosh okay anyway let's get going chapter 10 of course we are talking about Rony Kenshin and his new adversary uh 
oh my gosh, what was his name? Or they gave him a, uh, a uh, it was the uh, Kurogasa. Kurogasa was, was what they were calling him. Uh, he is uh, a demon of a man. And, you know, of course, his, uh, his, his target was this patriot who had, you know, basically hired all these men in uh, Kenshin and uh, Sonosuke were going to be basically the two that would take on the uh, Kurogasa while the others protected the, uh, the Patriot uh, or the old Patriot or whatever. And Kurogasa has, you know, some wicked sword skills. And he also has this uh, crazy technique uh, that basically paralyzes uh, people where they stand. But it is no match for uh, Kinshin. Because uh, he, you know, very much says it is not magic. It is basically uh, a uh, is a is is basically a uh, a show of will. And if you were able to match that will or strength of will, and if you were able to match that will, uh, then you can break that paralysis. And the technique of which Kurogasa uses to fight is uh, the Nico Nikaido Hello or Hilo, uh, and it is the positions of one, eight, and ten of the of sword fighting style. Uh, really cool notes about how like you're learning how each of these individuals fight, whether it be enemies or allies alike. That's the really cool thing I love about this uh, manga in particular. And you know, basically, uh, uh, Sonosuke is able to break free as well. Uh, once he learns that it is a power of will type thing and he does get injured he does get stabbed right through the wrist and it goes all the way through uh, but he is able to stop Kurogasa from killing the Patriot and then Kenshin uh, very much uh, pushes him back and Kur the Kurogasa runs away but basically says okay the Patriot is no longer my target you are you are the uh uh, the the old Bathusai and I am going to kill you, and we learn in chapters eleven and twelve that what he's really wanting is he wants Kinshin to be the old uh, bloodlust killer that he was back in the war, so he's gonna do whatever he can to bring that out in him, and so what ends up happening is Kinshin is getting prepared to fight this man. So he tells Sonosuke to go to Kairi and to Yoshi and to say, hey, you guys need to stay here. I'm going to stay here to protect you guys. Uh, Kenshin is going out to fight this, you know, this murderer, this serial killer. And so he he thinks that you guys staying here is going to be the best way to protect you guys. And Kairi is not having it whatsoever because uh, you can definitely tell that there is some feelings there. And so she runs off. Uh, Sonosuke is not very happy with it, but there's he feels like there's nothing they can really do. So he, uh, you see Kairi meets uh, Kenshin there, and Kenshin does say, hey, I'm not going to be able to protect you, or I'm not going to be able to, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, what does he say? He says, just the way he says it, he says, uh, 
what does he say? This he says he will never defeat Jin E because that is the uh, Kurogasa's real name, Jin E, while protecting somebody somebody else, meaning Kyrie. And so she's like, okay, fine. And she takes a ribbon out of her hair and says, "This is one of my favorite ribbons. Please return it to me." And Kenshin's like, "Uh, why? Why do I need it? And if if it's your favorite, why are you giving it to me? Why don't? And why do I have to return it if you're right here?" And why he's missing all the signs, missing all the signs. And so he's just like, okay, okay, I'll take it, whatever. And before she can leave, uh, the Kurogasa, Jin E, uh, kidnaps her, takes her right in front of Kenshin and says, you will meet me here. And throws like a, like a piece of paper and says, uh, and I have your woman. So you will, you know, be the bloodlusted killer and you will fight me basically. And so, in chapter 12, you know, they do meet. They they meet where uh, they were wanting to meet. And, you know, the Kurogasa Jin-E is very, very eager to see Kenshin as this bloodlusted killer. And the really cool thing is, uh, he says, he says, ha, fine, His, your eyes are full of rage. And it says... Uh, well, no, is that Kinshin who says it? Because he says, because uh, Jin E says it's it's the beginning of a wonderful moment, and by Tosai Kinshin, whatever uh, comes in, he has this very like deadly look in his eye, and he says, "At you who involved Kyrie, and at me who would prevent it." And Kyrie notices. He said, "Me." And even Jin E says, perfect, you stop using that stupid phrasing of this one. Because, you know, I always thought it was very weird that whenever he would talk about himself, he didn't say me. He says, oh, this one would not like that. Um, and I think it's more of like a language barrier thing for like me as an American with the phrasing here, uh, this one. I, I'm not sure if it's like a respectful thing or I don't know what it is, to be completely honest. Um, maybe they'll say it here, you know, in the future. But if anybody knows, you know, what that really means uh, as far as why Genshin was using that terminology of this one and not, you know, re referring to himself as me, uh, let me know. Uh, I have a, a Gmail, uh, fanboycomicspodcast at gmail.com. I'll read here on the show and we can learn together. But, uh... But yeah, you know, Jenny is very, uh, very, very eager to, you know, kill Kenshin and to see uh, what Kenshin is bringing to the table as far as his sword skills. And so Jin E uses this paralysis technique on Kairi, but uses it with much more intensity to the point where uh, Kairi is unable to breathe. And so uh, he says you have about two minutes before she runs out of air. And, you know, Kenshin then, you know, goes full force and he's able to dodge and, you know, read the Korgasa's movements. But, you know, at one point, uh, Jin E does get a really good lick on Kenshin right on his shoulder. Uh, but that has zero match for what Kenshin's 
real abilities are because we've seen Kenshin be a really big badass whenever he wants. And here, uh, on one of the last pages, uh, we see Kenshin almost teleport. He uh, he is there one moment and then he's there uh, and then the next moment he's not. And, you know, he basically hits the Kurogasa right at the bridge of his nose, breaking his nose, blood goes everywhere, and he breaks the, well, it doesn't even show, uh, because the, you know, the fight's not over yet, but he says, uh, there is no time for talk, uh, strike, so I can kill you, and that's Kenshin saying that, so Kenshin is very much not the happy-go-lucky, uh, you know, wanderer swordsman, that saved Kairi, that saved Yoshi. He is, you know, out for blood uh, now that Kairi's life is in danger. And, you know, I've, I haven't watched this episode yet as far as the anime goes, uh, but I am very much looking forward to it because this was something I remember. This Kurogasa guy, this Gen E guy, uh, was the first time, and even here in the manga that you see that, like, oh, man, he is bringing the worst out in Kenshin. In the best possible ways. And it's awesome. Uh, I love this style. Uh, I love the old school art for it as well. I've said that plenty of times. Uh, in the episodes before. And. I I am looking forward. To what I see. In the next. you know, In, in, in the future episodes. Of this reading of Veroni Kenshin. Because I have watched the anime. Four or five times. Uh, throughout my life. And you know. As far as I know, I, I, from what I have read in My Hero Academia and what I've read in Dragon Ball Super, there are things that aren't in the anime. So there should be plenty of things in Roroni Kenshin that I have never seen before, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. But with that, guys, it is 4.20 a.m., and I am tired. I am ready to go to bed. And a part of me still wants to turn on that PS4 and play whatever some friends are playing. Because I know they'll be up right now. But no, I'm going to go to sleep. So that way I can have one last day here at home with my family before I have to go back to work. Thank you again, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Please share with anybody who loves uh, anime, who loves manga. And uh, give me some suggestions on what I should read next. Uh, but with that, guys, thank you so much again for listening, and you guys have a great day. You <laughs> is